Welcome to Faith and Freedom. We hope to inform, inspire, and encourage you to stand up for faith and freedom as we discuss victories and challenges in the courts, in public policy, and in the culture. Faith and Freedom is brought to you by Liberty Council, a litigation, education, and policy organization. Join us now as we address the latest cultural issues across America and around the world. America has a rich heritage of Thanksgiving and prayer. We're going to be talking about it on this Thanksgiving Day. I'm Matt Staver, founder and chairman of Liberty Council. Joining me is Holly Mead. You know, it's just beautiful to really dive in and see our history. This is not about, you know, pilgrims and and Thanksgiving so much as giving thanks every day, but we really want to focus on our true heritage on this program today. You know, we have this day of Thanksgiving, which is unique to the United States of America mm-hmm. because it is a day that we celebrate of giving thanks as we survived in the early days of the founding of this country, coming through the winter and gathering together to give thanks. And this has become a tradition down through the years. Thanksgiving is not only a time to express thankfulness and gratefulness to God for his provision, but also a time to teach others about our true history and heritage. It's a time to gather with family and friends. You know, there's been throughout our history public acknowledgments of the providence of God that have been part of our history and traditions from the very beginning, from the pilgrims to the founding era to the Civil War, even up through today. And it is important to share the true meaning of thanksgiving Yeah, you know, on on Friday, September 25th, 1789, the Bill of Rights was ratified by the Senate, and the First Amendment was approved by Congress and sent out to the states for final approval. On that same day, the U.S. House passed the following resolution, resolved that a joint committee of both houses be directed to wait upon the President of the United States to request that he would recommend to the people of the United States a day of public thanksgiving and prayer to be observed by acknowledging with grateful hearts the many signal favors of Almighty God, especially by affording them an opportunity peaceably to establish a constitution of government for their safety and happiness. And you know, it's really good, Matt, to think about this nation was founded upon prayer and thanksgiving. Well, it was on Saturday, October 3, 1789, President George Washington declared November 26, 1789, a national day of thanksgiving to thank God for the Constitution and for our new American government. And he said this, quote, Whereas it is the duty of all nations to acknowledge the providence of Almighty God, to obey His will, to be grateful for His benefits, and humbly to implore His protection and favor. And whereas both houses of Congress have by their joint committee requested me to recommend to the people of the United States a day of public thanksgiving and prayer to be observed by acknowledging with grateful hearts the many signal favors of Almighty God, especially by affording them an opportunity peacefully to establish a form of government for their safety and happiness. That same year, the Protestant Episcopal Church, of which President Washington was a member, announced that the first Thursday in November would become the regular day for giving thanks, quote, unless another day be appointed by the civil authorities, close quote. In fact, by 1815, the various state governments had issued at least 1,400 official prayer proclamations, almost half for times of thanksgiving and prayer, 
and the other half for times of fasting and prayer. And you know, Matt, uh, it was a woman, Mrs. Sarah Hale, who has actually deserved most of the credit for Thanksgiving becoming a national holiday. For two decades, she contacted presidents trying to promote the idea And finally, during the darkest days of the Civil War, President Abraham Lincoln responded in 1863. He issued a formal proclamation passed by an act of Congress that set aside the last Thursday of that November as the first annual National Day of Thanksgiving and Praise. Yeah, Sarah Hale was the editor of the Goodies Ladies book. And she is the one who deserves the credit for being persistent mm-hmm. and persistent bringing woman this there. <laughs> in front of the president. And that's where we got this as a national day of Thanksgiving. The Thanksgiving proclamation called Americans to prayer with optimism and genuine thankfulness, noting that, quote, no human counsel hath devised nor hath any mortal hand worked out these great things. They are the gracious gifts of the Most High God, who, while dealing with us in anger for our sins, has nevertheless remembered mercy. But you know, three months earlier, the Battle of Gettysburg had occurred, and that resulted in the loss of approximately 60,000 American lives. So President Lincoln was, I think, very torn because of that. And when he walked among the thousands of graves there at Gettysburg, He committed his life to Jesus Christ, which was awesome, and he said, when I left Springfield to assume the presidency, I asked the people to pray for me. I was not a Christian. When I buried my son, the severest trial of my life, I was not a Christian. But when I went to Gettysburg and saw the graves of thousands of our soldiers, I then and there consecrated myself to Christ. So as a result of that in his life, he realized the importance of prayer and thanksgiving in our country. So it's an amazing history that we have from the very beginning. Obviously, we think of Thanksgiving with the pilgrims and Mm. the very first Thanksgiving Day celebration that we trace this back. But it has roots that it was continually celebrated and then uh, eventually became a recognized national holiday, and that's the way it is today. It is a day to give thanks to God for another year. That's a day to give thanks for the fact that we live in a country that provides us the opportunity for freedom of speech, free exercise of religion. It's not a perfect country. It is any type of country or group of people you get together You know, we are sinful people, and when you have a government, you're going to have flaws in that government because it's a government of people, by the people and for the people, and the people are not perfect. But it is the most amazing government that allows us the opportunity to have redress. We have a lot of challenges that happen to our country and that are happening to our country. In fact, George Washington and John Adams, all the founders, but Washington and Adams, they frequently referred to the twin pillars that undergird the government of the United States. And those twin pillars are religion and morality. George Washington, in his second farewell address, talked about those twin pillars and that anybody who tries to undermine those pillars cannot be considered a true patriot because those are the pillars that undergird America. And that's why we fight to keep those in our country. And John Adams said the same thing. Our Constitution was not made uh, for the government of any other other than a religious and a moral people. You have to 
have as a prerequisite for our form of government a religious people, and that religious foundation, that religious worldview, gives the foundation and the basis for an ethical, moral people, people that, because of their Judeo-Christian foundation, their Christian values, they respect the right to life. They respect somebody's property. They have a lot of freedom because our governmental system allows us to have a lot of external freedom. You govern by one of two ways. Either you govern by the bayonet, by a strong hand, like a dictator, and you take away people's freedom and you grow the size of government and you suppress individual freedom, or you allow people to have individual freedom, have a smaller government, but in order for that to happen, the people have to be a self-governing people. They have to be able to govern themselves rather than be governed by the bayonet, if you will. And how does that self-government come about? It's what Washington and Adams talked about when they referred to the Twin Pillars. In fact, when we had the Northwest Ordinance, when we began to expand the country beyond the original 13 colonies to go further in the Louisiana Purchase and all of those areas, these new territories where we were expanding beyond the 13 colonies, the Northwest Ordinance was what Thomas Jefferson promoted, and that Northwest Ordinance stated specifically that schools and the means of education shall be forever encouraged to teach people to be religious and moral. That in order to protect our freedom as we were expanding beyond the original 13 colonies, you needed to have schools, public schools, that taught religion and morality, mm -hmm. the same twin pillars that Washington and John Adams speak about. And that's why we should never take lightly what our founders fought so hard to have those, and we continue to do that today to keep that in our country. And, you know, as the Declaration of Independence say, we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights. Among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. That is the role of a limited government. So God bless you as you gather together today and give thanks for our many blessings that come from our Creator. For more information, you can visit Liberty Council's website, lc.org. You've been listening to Faith and Freedom, brought to you by Liberty Council. We hope that we have motivated you to stand up for your faith, family, and freedom. Get informed and get involved today. Visit Liberty Council's website at lc.org. The website again, lc.org.